subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. tuning in. This is Tripod Talk Radio, and today is Sunday, October 6, 2013. Today we are very excited to have Dr. Meredith DePita with us from Encina Veterinary Hospital in California. We'll be discussing animal behavior after surgery for cats and dogs and ways that you can help make recovery easy on both you and your pets. Please join us in our live chat room at tripods.com chat or call with your questions at 646-716-5450. Keep questions brief, and we'll try to answer them on the air. Welcome, Dr. Tepita, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Hey, Dr. Tepita, this is Renee here. Thank you so much for being here on this lovely Sunday. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. Well, we were really um, thrilled that you wanted to do this because um, I know that you what you have, uh, uh, your knowledge will be just such a huge help to so many people who are either going through the amputation recovery process, um, those who are about to, or, or those who just have um, general questions about their dog or cat's um, behavior after losing a leg. Um, a lot of times people think that um, uh, their dogs or cats are, are really psychologically traumatized by this sort of thing. So um, I'm hoping you can help give us some perspective on, on how they they cope and how we can help them cope better. Yes, definitely. Great. Um, well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you became an, an animal behaviorist? Yes. Well, uh, you know, I've always loved animals since I was little. Uh, I've always had lots of dogs and cats and other sorts of little critters running around. Um, and when it came time to start thinking about a career, um, of course, I was drawn to animals and wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, and then I discovered in vet school behavior. Um, and I was really drawn to behavior because it really overlaps everything that animals do, no matter what other specialty you're in. Um, and it's a major source of um breaking of the human-animal bond and leading to relinquishment. Um, so I was very drawn to that um, and decided to pursue behavior uh, further and become a behaviorist, uh, which has been very rewarding to work with such dedicated and committed pet owners um, on behavior problems um, and as it relates to, to other, other things such as amputation. Uh-huh. 
And so, so you're a veterinarian who um, who did extra schooling to become a a board certified behaviorist. Is that correct? Yes. Cool. And how come there aren't more out there? Um, this, this is such an important area for for uh, pet ownership. How how come there aren't more of you that that we can turn to? Is this a new field? Well, it's it's relatively new compared to other specialties, um, but we are definitely trying. We, we're trying to board certify uh, more people every year and uh-huh. get people into programs that are interested so we can have more than just the 58 of us we have now. Um, but it's growing, and the future looks great for behavior. Wow. So 58 of you in, in the U.S. or um – where is that here? In right. So U.S. There are a couple of people um, in Australia or Canada or the Caribbean, um, but most uh-huh. of us um, through the American College of Veterinary Behaviorists are here in the United States, all over. <laughs> wow. So is there a website we can go to to find one that's closest to us? Yes. If you go to the DACVB org website, you can find information on veterinary behaviorists, including a listing of where we all practice. Um, it stands for Diplomat American College of Veterinary Behaviorists. Terrific. Thank you so much for that information. I know a lot of people are going to be going there because I don't think there's a single person here who hasn't had some kind of behavioral challenge with their animals. Um, so today we want to talk about uh, amputation um, both before and after and, and the kinds of uh, behavior challenges that we might encounter. Um, let's start with, uh, we have some questions here for you. And our first question is, um, what can we do to prepare ourselves mentally for, for bringing home a, a post-op dog or cat? Well, I think the first thing to remember is that you really were making the best decision for your pet. You made a well-informed decision for their health, for their well-being, to give them a good quality of life and for them to be less painful if it was due to a painful condition. Um, One thing that really helps me is to have a plan. Talk to other people that have had pets that have had to have amputations. Um, because they might be able to shed insights. We all have our own uh, tips and tricks uh, through our own experiences. Um, But you need to think about how will you help them adapt. Uh, They may not be able to get out to eliminate, uh, whether it's a cat to the litter box or a dog to the yard if there are steps, especially when they first come home. Uh, So how are we going to accommodate them? Uh, and they may not be able to bend over to drink out of their water bowls or eat their food dish. Uh, So we want to think about that. And then the other thing is to realize that not everything is going to go according to plan, Uh, very typical in behavior. Um, There are bumps in the road, uh, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Most pets will adapt very well and lead very full lives with their, their three legs. And, and if the animal is having a hard time during recovery, um, what are some ways to, to help cope with that uh, situation? What, what would you recommend? To help them along? Um, well, yeah, uh-huh. there are probably multiple things. If it does 
assume that there is a pain component, addressing that with your veterinarian. Um, different pain medications work uh, better for different animals, just like in people. So addressing that uh -huh. issue, um, being prepared, uh, having a sling ready that fits them, if, if that will help them, um, getting them ready beforehand. One one thing is is that they want to go way too fast, right? They a couple days after mm -hmm. surgery, they feel great. <laughs> they want to go yeah. play. The cats want to jump up on the counters again. Um, so if it's possible to work with them beforehand and teach them to focus on you, uh, we have certain commands we often teach in behavior, for example, to have the dog look at us, um, an eye contact command, and that helps them to start looking to you for guidance. Um, a lot of animals don't necessarily do that um, instinctively, so teaching them can help them cope better when they're looking to you. Do you have any recommendations for, for resources for those types of, of training? Um, uh, programs. Well, I there are certainly lots of lots of dog trainers that teach those sort of things. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know of any that are specific to dogs with amputation, but a lot mm -hmm. of the things for decreasing stress apply um, apply to this as well. So if you search the web, you can find resources. Um, and I'm happy to provide some resources as well on those. Yeah, that would be great. I mean, there's so many different types of, of trainers out there. And, and speaking of, can you tell me, what is the difference between a trainer and a behaviorist? Yes, well, uh, trainers have been around for a long time. <laughs> so we're all familiar with dog trainers. Behaviorists are relatively new, as we talked about in the beginning. Um, and training is teaching your dog a command, whether it be sit or the eye contact we just talked about, um, whereas behavior modification is ch about changing an emotional response that your pet has. Um, if they're fearful, if they're territorial, whatever the case may be. Um, so a lot of behavior modification techniques apply to training, um, but the behaviorists, they're looking at the psychology of it. Um, how are we going to make the pet feel better in this situation? Um, whereas training, I see a lot of well-trained dogs. <laughs> That's not uh -huh. their problem. They're very well-trained, but we have to get to the emotional aspect, the psychological aspect of their behavior. And do, do dogs and, and cats have these same type of emotions that we do. For example, when somebody brings home their dog or cat after surgery, they'll often think the animal is depressed. Um, can you tell us, is, is that really the case or is that um, a side effect of pain meds? I mean, how do you distinguish between the right. two and what kind of um, emotions do animals experience, um, especially when they're recovering? Yes, well, uh, we know that animals can experience a lot of different emotions. Um, we don't necessarily have scientific information to um, think that they cast blame or they resent us. Um, 
And that may be a little bit more us anthropomorphizing, putting our emotions on them. Um, but we know that animals can feel pain, they can uh, feel fear, uh, anxiety, and that's important that we uh, address those issues and recognize that they that they do occur. Uh-huh. Uh, so when and, they come home, um, uh-huh. they'll likely be one. They'll be feeling good because of the pain medication, right? <laughs> um, but they will probably be very, very excited, overjoyed to see their owner because they've been the last day or two, however long they have to stay at the the hospital. Um, they have seen strangers, and so they're very excited to see you, just as if you left for two hours, right, and came home. Um, They're just as excited to see you. Um, So, you know, they definitely experience emotions. I think some of the higher-level emotions we're not so sure about, but we certainly can anthropomorphize and and know that they do feel some of those. Uh So if you think your dog is, is depressed, um, what are, are some of the recommendations you have for, for dealing with that? Um, do you prescribe medication or, or for the person or the dog? I mean, how, how would you um, deal with that? Because we see a lot of that um, at tripods after when the dog is recovering. Mm-hmm. Well, part of it with the pain is that we, we need to address that medically. But the other thing is that, Dogs really and cats need not only uh, mental stimulation, but exercise as well. So when you're first taking a pet home from surgery, we're kind of only left with one of those, the mental stimulation, because we can't exercise them right away, even though they'd probably like to. (laughs) So Uh that, a lot of what we do is behavior modification, Um, giving them mental stimulation in the form of training. Um, That eye contact command we talked about earlier is really good because they don't have to uh, move their body. All they have to do is make eye contact with you. Um, Very little effort, but good mental stimulation. Um, Food dispensing toys are also really good. Um, Many animals are food motivated. It doesn't take a lot to roll around a toy. They don't have to move. Um, And certainly in some cases uh, with anxiety, we may prescribe medications. Um, But it it depends on the situation. uh, And many times these are long-lasting problems that have been going on. Um, And really medications are kind of to get a foot in the door to work on behavior modification. So behavior modification, the mental stimulation other things we might do for specific cases. Um, that's really the meat and bones of working with behavior. And when you're working with behavior, is it more about changing the, the person's behavior or the animal's behavior? <laughs> well, it probably somewhat depends on the situation. Certainly, uh, we want to implement um behavior modification to make the animal feel more comfortable, feel better about what they're afraid of. Um, But to some extent, it is teaching people to interact differently with their pet. Uh, We can't talk to them. We can't reason with them. 
Um, so we may need to do things differently depending on the individual situation. So I would say both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, let's uh, let's talk about uh, interacting with other animals in the home. So you have a new tripod and you're coming home after surgery, but you have um, three dogs in the house, maybe a cat, a bird. Um, what can people expect when, when bringing home a, a post-op tripod? Yes, well, uh, you know, the other pets are probably not going to treat the uh, dog or cat coming back from the vet hospital differently due to their surgery, to their amputation. Uh, but cats are notorious for reacting fearfully. Sometimes they're even aggressive um, to other cats coming back from the veterinary hospital because they smell like the veterinary hospital. Um, so it's always advisable that cats are introduced slowly, even separated initially, and gradually get them back together. Uh, and then, of course, added with the surgery, we have more precautions we want to take. Um, but if animals are very bonded, they may just be as excited to see each other as they were to see their owner. <laughs> So mm -hmm. we go back to kind of the we need it to be calm, controlled, using uh, leashes and harnesses, um, having them under good control with our commands, um, and letting them have more time together as the dog or cat with the amputation heals and is able to be more mobile and, and play more. Mm -hmm. do, do you think that the other animals in the house will notice that their pack mate is missing a leg? You know, I think animals live in the moment. Uh, I don't think they think about things like that very much. I'm sure they must notice that something's different. Animals are very smart. They're very perceptive. Uh, but I don't think that you would notice, that we notice an outward difference in how they treat um, the pets. Um, one thing I have heard is that, for example, a large dog will learn to play with a small dog by laying down. Um, so that may happen, something like that. They learn how to interact with them a little bit differently to accommodate them. Um, mm -hmm. But I think in general, I don't think they're going to notice a difference from the amputation. Or at least that you know, we I have noticed. to agree with that, right? And and I have to agree with that because I remember the first time we took our dog Jerry to meet a tripod, and you know we put them together, waiting for them to react somehow. I don't know what exactly all of us humans were waiting for, but they just uh, sniffed each other like dogs do and kind of hung out. I mean, nothing different mm -hmm. happened, and. And that's uh, that's kind of when I realized, wow, they just don't care. <laughs> we right. care way more than they do. <laughs> so, um, so you have all these other animals in the house, and and let's say you have a a young dog, um, and how? I mean, it just seems like it's such a challenge to be able to keep them uh, separated and and slowly reintroduced. What what are your recommendations if somebody? Um, Say if, if they live alone, but they have all these animals, how, how should they handle that? I mean, should they send the other animals off to a friend's house? or? Well, certainly it, it might help to have less animals in the house when you bring the dog or cat home from surgery, um, just uh -huh. so 
they have more time to recover um, because then it will be easier to introduce them when they're not in pain and not um, grappling with how to be more mobile. Um, but you can even use uh, things like uh, tie-downs, having one dog tied to a piece of furniture, um, uh-huh. or crates, you know, something to give you a little bit more control. Because when they see each other, they might really want to start playing. Um, uh-huh. And then after the initial meeting, uh, they're probably going to be calmer, and then that might be an easier situation for someone who is alone um, Uh to help them be calm. Well, that's a great suggestion. Thank you. Um, So when when it it comes to the dog or, um, well, let's say dogs because I don't know how many people take their cats on leashed walks. I know they're out there, but (laughs) some people do, but there there are definitely more dogs on leashes in this world. And um, you're taking your dog for a walk and you encounter another dog. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we've heard of some scenarios where where people say the other dogs were aggressive towards the, the tripod or... Um, the tripod became fearful. Um, how much of that is because of our behavior and, and how much of that is um, a reality that, you know, the dog is, is feeling um, defenseless? Um, do you do you see a lot of that? And, and what are your recommendations for dealing with that scenario? So you're saying that the tripod became fearful after the amputation? Yes, um, yes. Like say when okay. they start to get back out into the world and, and you're reintroducing your dog at the dog park and going on walks around mm-hmm. the block and that sort of thing. Um, you know, we have heard some stories about people's dogs becoming fearful or mm-hmm. um, other dogs um, being kind of mean. So um, what uh, do you see that and, and how, how should people deal with that? Well, certainly any stressful event, can you can start seeing a behavior change because of that. Um, So what we want to do is make sure that we are going slow. We are teaching the dog to look to us and not overwhelming them. Um, Certainly, if uh, a dog with an amputation gets knocked over in rough play when they're not ready for that, that could also cause them to be more fearful. Um, So I think going slow, teaching them to look to you um, once they're recovered, um, even using a head harness so you have a little better control. Um, both dogs in that instance could probably use all these things. <laughs> um, helps helps your dog uh, acclimate better. And, um, you know, the other thing about a dog reacting aggressively to a dog with three legs, uh, one thing might be uh, the socialization factor. When dogs are... 16 weeks of age and younger, they're in a primary socialization period, which can shape their entire life. So Uh that's why we recommend that dogs are exposed at that time in a safe manner um, to other healthy vaccinated dogs. Um, So we would want to expose them to big dogs, little dogs, dogs with three legs, dogs uh-huh. with long fur, um, in addition to everything else, people and and things. So it may be that the dog has never seen um, a dog with three legs. And so uh-huh. if that's a possibility, 
to make sure we're we're doing that to prevent those sorts of problems. That's a great idea. Um, I just want to encourage people to call in if you have any questions for us. Um, we are we are definitely available and ready to take your calls. So um, I just uh, we'll continue with the conversation here with Dr. Stakita. Um, let's talk about um, training, okay? Um, you know, a lot of us, either subconsciously or consciously, after our dog loses a leg, um, we feel sorry for them, and and we try not to, but but still, you know, like I found that it was really easy for me to let our dog's training go out the window after he lost his leg. He was he was dealing with cancer, and you know, it was like, oh, he can do whatever he wants at this point. Um, so, you know, I know there's a lot of pets out there who are really smart, and they might even take advantage of this situation, and uh, and maybe all that training that you did with them before gets lost. Um, what can we do to make sure that our tripod stays well trained? Um, should we treat them any differently than their four-legged friends, um, either as a puppy, if we got a tripod as a puppy, or adopt one later on? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think to some extent they should be treated differently in that if they are just becoming a tripod, uh, they may need to learn new skills, they need your help, they are very reliant on you, but over time um, they do become more independent. And animals are really smart. We do need to give them credit <laughs> where credit is due. Uh, they will do behaviors that they are rewarded for. So if we are rewarding them um, for uh, behaviors that are attention-seeking, like jumping up on us or uh, putting their head in our lap, which is very cute, <laughs> um, they will learn that that works to get attention, um, and they will keep doing it, even when they're healthy and well <laughs> again. So, you know, I would say if the dog um, has cancer and, you know, it's it's kind of the the last few months, okay, you know, they're, this is the last couple of months. But if they have a long life ahead of them, um, our best bet is to really try not to give in to those behaviors because they're going to continue <laughs> past uh-huh. what we would want them to. Um, and dogs are really good at the lottery method when they get rewarded one in nine, t- one in nine or ten times. Um, then they just think they have to keep doing it over and over. So, so I do the think it's a good method. idea. I've never heard it called yeah. that. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So you know, That's keeping awesome. up on their training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, keeping up on their training, um, having them do commands for things they want um, is is always a good idea, and it's also mentally stimulating. A lot of them love to do that sort of thing. Um, for us. Ah, okay. Um, we have uh, just three minutes left, folks, so if you have any questions, definitely call in or go to the Tripods chat. It looks like we have a question um, from uh, Jackson's mom here. And uh, the question is, um, a lame dog or a tripod can sometimes lose confidence maneuvering stairs or slippery floors. Will a harness mm-hmm. help to replace some lost confidence? And, well, and certainly the, the more stable we can get them, the better. Uh, you know, and once they are stable, um, working with them um, to be more comfortable with stairs, not 
forcing them because that can backfire on us, um, but having them take a treat near the stair um, and then when they put one foot on the stair uh, and then progressing like that um, is, is probably the best approach and will have the most long-lasting effect. Um, but certainly using a harness to stabilize them can help them, um, and then building their confidence, um, and that goes back to changing their emotional response, um, to have a better emotional response because they are being rewarded when they are calm and relaxed and we're not pushing it. Thank you for that suggestion. That's That's awesome. Um, we see that happen a lot, and in fact, our own tripod, um, he's a, a rear leg tripod, and he would not go upstairs for the longest time. And then one day, just on, on his own, he did it, and, and it was, you know, it was amazing and, and wonderful, and they, they do get the hang of it eventually. But um, So we just have a, about a minute left. Um, is there anything that you'd like to add or suggest to tripod parents? Well, I think just to remain positive, um, you know, that will help in the long term. Your dog lives day to day. Uh, they they don't necessarily think that this is anything bad that's happened to them, um, but they do need your help. They need you to be strong for them and to teach them and uh, that there is a light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel. They will will learn how to use their three legs, and they will get back to being just as happy as they were before. Thank you so much. That is wonderful. I'm going to put that in a blog post and remind people. We really, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And uh, for anybody uh, out there, we'll put the uh, links to the different resources we discussed in the uh, Tripods forums. Want to thank you for being here. Have a great day. Thanks again, Dr. Sabita. Listeners can learn more about your service at services at encinavet.com and find all Tripod Talk Radio podcasts at downloads.tripods.com. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.